in the cabbage. Right, let's get it. Test, test, test. Yeah, we're live. Welcome to In the Cabbage. <laughs> this is crazy. This is pretty bananas right now <laughs> that we're actually doing this. I'm Tommy Sweat. Andrew Witt. Please subscribe. Please listen. Please download. Like. Just a reminder. Keep swinging. in the cabbage i'm your boy t swain to my right or your left andrew witt what up oh that'd be all no spider this time (laughs) no spider this time dude that was a little curveball to start our evening off huh yeah you know i just had to step in and wear the pants make sure i killed that spider for you because i realized you didn't want to kill it thanks for really rectifying you know the cozy corner over here right it's gonna remain that way and forever and always and there's gonna be no intruders right (laughs) i'm I'm the first line of defense for us um buddy it's not in the candle over there you know that candle it just smells so bomb i don't know what it is i'm just a huge candle guy yeah we've talked about on the podcast before but it's just such a if you want to give me a present just give me a really bomb organic nice candle yeah. And it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a very uh, thoughtful gift. Yeah. And it's something that can just kind of really liven up the living room and bring you to a state where you can fully relax. And it's, it, I don't know, it's just really nice. Brings better vibes. I need some better vibes today. I actually had an incident buddy today. A little bit in the cabbage for you here. I'm not going to go into I love f- it. I love it. Full you know, detail. I love it. We've been diving in a little bit of into the cabbage stuff uh, more recently. And so let's, let's, let's hear about it, dude. I, um, came across today um a friend of mine who um had an incident a health issue and i kind of witnessed it and had to help out with it and uh <clears throat> found myself very inept in the moment it's such a big word big dog okay. i know out of nowhere <laughs> um and i think it jarred me um which i don't want to sound selfish like he obviously is taking the brunt of it and is okay now, but um, witnessing it and being a part of this situation um, really had no sort of way of helping this person besides like just doing the bare minimum. And if right, like maybe let's call 911. Let's maybe right. make sure like he's breathing in a safe con- like condition where he's mm-hmm. not harming himself. Right. Uh, checking his pulse. But that's yeah. that's about all I got for. I could make a mean water. I can grab an ice pack. <laughs> but like you know, it kind of just woke me up to like one how fragile life truly is. Um, one minute you can be like fully coherent, enjoying something, and the next minute you're like you know could be gone or your life has changed forever. Did you want to disclose the age of this person? Yeah, he's younger. Or like yeah, um, he's he's around my age. Yeah. Um, so it's not someone who's like 55 or 60. Right. I this feel like is, that's an important thing to kind of throw in the atmosphere as well. Yeah. And he's an extremely healthy, um, nice, nice man. Um, nothing like I would say that in his lifestyle that would cause something like this to happen. Of course, I'm being very, you know, um, you, you, aloof you, with the details yeah. here. Um, just trying to, you know, protect people's privacies. But it was, um, it sucked in all aspects. It really, really, truly did. Uh, it sucked for him and it sucked for me um, just because, you know, I, I just like, 
if something could have gone worse, I had no way of helping him. And that really bummed me out because I couldn't help. Sure. Besides just like, you know, being there for somebody genuinely, like I don't know that well. Sure. Like I see him twice, twice a week. Like we talk every day, we're, you know, but we're, you're, we're not like, it's not like my friend who I've known for years. Like this is just somebody new. So going through that with somebody that you don't really know super well is also a very strange thing. Because now you're kind of bonded by some sort of traumatic event. And it's great. You know, I'm happy to help him and happy to be there for him. But it's just, uh, it was just, you know, rough for me um, as a person to not, I'm like, deprive myself on helping people. Sure. And being a, a rock for somebody when they're being aloof and they're, you know, struggling or when they have health concerns. And there was yeah, you not. Just like, you just like very much like to be someone like I want to be open with you. Right. Let's 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 sit down and chat. If you even if you're struggling about something, whether it's super minute, you know, or it's something that's you know, it's a physical appearance, it's the way you think about things, whatever it may be, relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, you always. I think that's a that's a good characteristic for anyone to have, but I think you're really good at making that effort towards people, especially if you're going to be a reoccurring person in their life. In, in your daily life and right? I, I also like sharing i also like telling somebody what i'm possibly going through yeah whether it's relationship stuff or the personal. door's open here you know right and i hopefully that jars them to talk to me and be a bit more um descriptive but even just for people's health issues if they have if they're struggling i love to be there for them and it's just um just showed me today how like fleeting life is and how you really just can't assume that everything's going to be great or, you know, like, oh, I have time to do this. So there's going to be, you know, plenty of this or that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of time for you to figure things out. But like making small steps towards that goal instead of realizing the full picture, I think helps myself out a lot. Yeah. I, you know, I get bogged down by a full picture. Like, for example, losing weight, like losing whatever amount of weight, 80 pounds for me seems like a, a huge hill, but like losing two pounds a week or two pounds every two weeks seems more realistic than it sure. does not. But, you know, I don't know. Have you ever been in a situation where, you know, you felt like you didn't have the tools or the understanding? Well, yeah, of course. But I, I feel like... Um I just speaking from experience, I haven't really had anything where it's life threatening or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm sure like plenty of instances for yourself and you can name, uh, I'm sure you can name a few, but I feel like I went through that a lot with, when I was coaching quite a bit. Right. Um, not necessarily to say that I don't have the correct answer, but maybe it's not the answer that they want to hear. And you got to be the bad person. Um, and then maybe you're kind of just like, you know, as a head coach or as the director when I was doing all that stuff. And you kind of just, you don't have anyone to like give you any feedback afterwards. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's very, um, you, I, I, just, I just lost so much sleep over it. And that was one of the reasons why, I mean, loved coaching, loved everything that it did for me. Um, for example, I was able to like, you know, become way more personable, I feel like, way more approachable and external 
being more comfortable talking in front of people, talking in front of just like four or five people because there was a time in my life where I didn't even really like talk in front of my friends like that much of like, you know, three, four, five people. Mm -hmm. It just would would freak me out. I'd still get a little bit like that. I don't like to be the center of attention in like a a biggerish room, you know, and like telling a full on story. Like I got 10 people like listening to me. That's that's not me, but um, certainly have become um, have grown from that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just, um, there's a lot of times where you don't get a lot of feedback and you don't, you feel a little helpless in that moment. Cause you just like are rattling your, you know, your brain after you're going back and you're coaching and they're 15, 14, 17 years old. And you might be talking about volleyball or you might be talking about life or, right. you know, how they go about approaching obstacles and like achieving them. And when I look back in my life, when I was growing up, I feel like a lot of my coaches tended to be some of the people that I looked up to most at times, you know? Yeah. And I felt like I was bearing that weight a lot. And it was a great weight to bear because in a sense, you do have that power, right? To like change people's lives. But like, are you doing it correctly? And are you doing it the right way? Or or are you reaching just half of the kids that you're coaching? Or are you mm-hmm. reaching everyone or just like a couple? You know, and so not necessarily to circle back and go in full circle here. Never have felt helpless in that moment where it's it's someone's potentially life on the line yeah. of that sort. Um, but it definitely I felt that when I was coaching quite a bit and then also talking with parents and, you know, how they're going about school and discipline. And it's just um, it, it, I feel like it taught me a lot of things to like grow and then how to like approach my like a philosophy and like sticking by that philosophy. Like year one, when I was a head coach, had no idea what I was doing really because I've never really treaded those waters before. So by year like three, when I was doing it, I felt like I had like something really dialed in and I knew what to expect. I knew how to get the, I know I knew how to diffuse a situation without it ever arising. Do you know what I mean? Like I knew I was always like three or four steps ahead of like, all of the possibilities. Right. I'm not getting playing time. I'm not happy. You're pushing too hard. You're not pushing hard enough. You're not doing enough check-ins with like every single player. And so like you kind of learn how to manage all of that. So um, I think just like anything else, it comes with like a little bit of experience and a choice and to be like a little bit of, um, I would say just cognizant of like your decision-making and like kind of figuring out what works, what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like, you know, based off of what you're telling me today, it's like you're going to be looking up something, how to help people's lives in a dire situation. Yeah, like I'm going to go like learn CPR now and take some classes because I don't ever want to be in a situation again where like um, I can't help. God forbid something goes and turns for the worst. Right. And you're one of like two, three people that are there. That was it. what happened. You Things know? went bad and we looked. And it's so funny. That you, it happens and you look around and you realize there's just you and one other dude and you're just two dudes. You have no sort of special training. You have no way of handling a situation. And you almost look for an adult. That's what it felt like. I got up and I was like, who's going to help us? Oh, like, shit. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. No that, one's helping us. Me. I'm helping us. Like, right. I'm the, like, you know, me and this other guy I'm have the to step seat in. Here. 
have to drive this car together. Yeah. And it's teamwork and immediately roles are being picked up and you're, you both are helping each other and there's just one common goal and everything else just kind of fades away. And, you know, um, I, I mean, shout out to people who deal with stuff like this every day. Dude, people I, that are like uh, Caitlin's over there was yeah. doing ER. I work. mean, like, I have families, cow. people who are doing nursing. And I don't, I mean, I was rocked from once it, this incident happened to the, today, you're to ready this to, moment. You're ready to phone in the day. You're like, right, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. And they have to, and people just have to like shake that off and pretend like it didn't happen and go to the next person. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not that person. I don't have that issue sure. to just do that. Um, also, funny and uh, coaching, the worst part of coaching, I would say, probably for you is the parents. Um, yeah, I mean, no, yeah, of course. Of course, it's the parents. I just don't understand because I'm not a parent, right? Like, I have a dog. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I know we can make a really loose <laughs> translation here. <laughs> I know my dog's faults. Yes. And I'm very aware of my dog's faults. I'm not going to bring my dog to a training camp to, on good dog behavior and then tell me something like Hendrix has a hard time playing with other dogs and me going like, you're wrong. You just aren't doing it right. Like, no, I know he does. That's why like he's here. Right. You're supposed to coach him sure. and make him better. And if the coach is doing the job for the most part, like, Hey, are you getting reps at practice? Hey, are you like trying Mm-hmm. Like that was a common question of my family with me would be like, Oh, I'm not playing. Well, it's like, well, are you trying? Right. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. No, no, no. Like, are, like, you, are, are you, you really die? Like diving in, having like, right. You know, showing it to practice 15, 20 early, getting warmed up, staying after whatever weights, right. doing the extra work that would maybe help you get that playing time. Right. And I even, I didn't even think about that. In a high school, like I thought, practice is what everyone did, and people were just naturally better <laughs> than me, or they just like had better coaching, or they're just more talented. I didn't really even think that, like maybe if I shot thirty minutes, forty minutes before practice, it would make a huge difference. And then weightlifted afterwards, even though there was not a scheduled weightlifting time. Sure. And maybe like ran like ten extra suicides at the end of practice, that that would have added up to me probably being a way better basketball player. I just you know back to like the parent thing. I just don't understand how you see Billy and you go, Billy clearly has no vertical leap. What can we do to make Billy a Billy a better volleyball player? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, there's a reason why he's not playing on it right now is because he can't jump and he wants to be an outside hitter. And he has to jump the most on the team. Right. But Billy's great at passing. Let's make him a libero. Right. But Billy doesn't want to be a libero. It's like, well, well I don't know. What to I don't tell know. You. Then he's going to be, you know, ride the bench is outside then. I, yeah. I, 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 that was one of the most frustrating things. And um, to combat that a lot, because I would get that a ton, um, I would make an effort. And this is something I think that more coach i'm sure it's going on now more so than ever because of this because of i feel like there's a lot more information out there and accessible mm-hmm. for everyone um but if you have a good coach i feel like a coach will always go out of their way to even though it might be might not be the best thing for you if you want to go and do it 
then it's also like it's up to you. It's their decision. It's different for a club versus high school, I feel like, right? If you're paying for the service, which club is, and they want to do something and you know, they already, let's say we're talking, we're talking about Billy still. He's the fourth outside mm-hmm. and there's one, one and a half liberos, right? You just carry one libero. Well, it's like, okay, well, can you just be the fourth outside and you're going to get all the reps, but then we can also have you back a libero should anything happen to, you know, the starting libero. And also you can have full capabilities of doing everything as an outsider. You'll train, you'll do all of that. It's very translational. I'll just have you do a couple of drills here and there. So if push comes to shove, we mm-hmm. can put you at libero. But here's what I'm going to do. And here's all your traits and, and physical attributes that you can actually help yourself out in. This is what I need you to get better at. You know, you need to be able to become more athletic. You need to work harder. If you're like not the most athletically gifted, what else can you bring to the table? And I would ask the question to the kid. I think that's great. I never had a coach ask me that once. And so that was, I would have a ton of, like not a ton of check-ins. I would make sure once every couple months, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd be like, I'd pull a guy off to the side. I'd pull a couple guys off to the side every once in a while. And I'd say, hey, come into practice 10 minutes early. I want to have a quick check-in with you hey, say 10, 15 minutes after practice, I'm going to have a quick meeting with you. And I'll kind of just do that randomly with everyone every once in a while. Yeah. There's some we have to pay a little bit more attention to, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, that's something that I think maybe um, that's that's something that you could have benefited from. I'd certainly never really had anything like that when I was growing up either. Yeah, I think that would have been a huge benefit for me because I think I would have been able to also convince the coach of my... <laughs> natural abilities sure and then of course then the coach is going to say great then show me right and then if you can prove it day in and day out and if you can beat out the other person we have stats and if you're putting out better stats and the team gels better with you and you know you can list off all the reasons and you're doing the intangible stuff maybe you can't jump maybe billy can't jump 37 inches but maybe he's able to bring all the fire communication there's no lapses in any sort of game plan he doesn't make any dumb mistakes when he gets a bad set he cut you know he makes a smart swing recycles it whatever you know you're able to put those guidelines around a player and how they can mold and work towards us work towards a more position and trust right and so um i think that's that's how you can kind of combat it a little bit because yeah the parents sometimes have an irrational thought but it's laying out I think a lot of it has also has to do with the fact that we were able to keep stats. And so that's very black and white. That's very easy. Yeah. You know? I never had stats growing up. Like I bet that's you huge. if we were playing basketball back in the day and we went plus minus stats. That's huge. I guarantee you my plus would have been way higher than my minus. Exactly. Like, that's probably, huge. And, if, and I would have seen, you know, like whatever X person, you know, has a plus 250 or whatever and you're in the game we have a minus 105 like, okay clearly i'm a detriment why why do you think that is and it's like you know you you can your speed is okay for a center but you can't maintain it at all like you can't go eight minutes nine minutes of jogging like i need you to like not get faster because that was always what i thought i'd do get faster go faster mm-hmm. run more it's like okay well you look at Jokic, and the man can't run a lick but he can do it all day long yeah he played like 44 minutes tonight and or whatever he, and you never saw him like walking back really he also learned little tricks that i thought was great when he wouldn't rebound for offensive free throws 
Did you notice that? Yeah, I did notice that. He goes back on the whole other end and just mm-hmm. waits. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. That's one less lap of jogging for a big for man. sure. And like what's the like what's really the less uh, than a less than a one percent chance you get an offensive board. Right. And sure, if it's crunch time, get gotta your get, ass, get your get ass, your ass down, down, there. down there. Yeah. But um I just thought, you know, also a tip that I liked from a coach was that never have your parents bring up your issue, you bring it up to me. Yeah. And I think that's huge because one it mole or have a kid comes up to you, Billy goes up to his parents and says, Andrew, my coach really sucks. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's he's sure you know, no, we let's let's play this role. Right. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't play me. I'm clearly the best outside. I don't want to play club volleyball anymore. I hate it. Well, those parents are paying for a service and their kid hates it, so they're wasting money and the Billy is upset now. So naturally right. they're gonna be like, Well, F Andrew, I'm gonna contact him. What the parents should do, be like, okay, I understand what you're saying. I want you to go talk to Andrew. See, we had rules in place. Right. Where the, we actually, it was at a certain age, if you're whatever, let's, I, it's 16 years old and above, you can't really have the parents there. Right. And it's a one, it's a coach to player situation going on. Yeah, okay, yeah, for 13 years old, the player still has to be there though. Right. And he's driving, he or she is driving the conversation parents are also listening how this is all going down because there's a there, I agree there's like a buffer that's going on right and the middleman is the kid and if the player Billy is not happy about a situation but maybe the coach is doing everything that he says is doing is that you know he's doing everything well he's putting in all the extra time he's doing all this stuff to help Billy but then Billy is saying I'm still not getting any playing time coaches has it out for me right there's that buffer in there. It's like, okay, we got to cut out the middleman here. We got to get right to the source. Right. And then they, maybe they get some playing time in. Billy gets in. He makes one mistake and the coach yanks him. Well, what happens is they don't see is that Billy isn't putting to extra time in reps. He consistently makes that mistake. Sure. And coaches warned him if he makes that mistake during a game, he's just going to yank him. And Billy's not translating that. So if you're a parent as well, I think you should have your kid good. It's good. Um, conflict training for a kid too to like actually have your being assessed as you know something being needing improvement instead of it being like whitewashed for your parents to handle it which sure. i always thought was huge and if any coach actually denies a player from having that one-on-one conversation then i feel like you know it, it really it's a loss in both sense because there are things that coaches can learn from players and I feel like maybe that happens more when, as you get older and you start formulating a lot more clear thoughts. And, you yeah. know, if you're like doing that and let's say you're doing it in college, right. And, you know, day in and day out, you're practicing and doing, you know, and you're putting in all the effort and then you're doing all this stuff and then you're still not getting a look. Then it's like, Hey coach, you know, how many, hey, what, what am I missing here? Cause I feel like I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I feel like I'm doing everything that you're telling me to. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the stats. The stats say I'm like the second I'm, I'm best a, power on the pass right. on the team. And also I'm like, I'm right there. Like everyone gels with me well. Like, you know, what's what's going on? And maybe that sheds a little bit of light for the coach's eyes too. You know, maybe right. it's something that maybe they didn't think that, maybe they don't see everything that's going on. Maybe they don't see, you know, that you're actually putting in all of that work or that it really matters that much or, you know, there's tons of reasons out there. Mm-hmm. And so... I feel like the more that you can get, just like any relationship, right? Get in there and just get real. 
just have a quick conversation. Yeah, and just don't take it as um, when someone gives you criticism. Is that yeah. where you're going? Yeah, like if someone gives you real criticism, there's I think there's two ways to look at it. Um, when you receive criticism, one you need to see who you're receiving it from. If you're receiving it from a person who doesn't matter in your life, um, don't take it to heart. I've learned that recently that criticism from somebody who doesn't matter is just words. Like, don't listen to somebody who has no idea. It's a really fair point. What they're talking about. Yeah. Like, if, you know, your brother's talking criticism about your volleyball game, but has never played it like a volleyball in his life, like, he, his, his opinion on volleyball does not matter. Sure. And about your game. Um, so always assess where the criticism is coming from, from a coach, from your boss, from your f friends who you consider like family or some parents. Um, assess where the criticism is coming from. And also if the criticism is actually constructive. It's not, you suck at passing. Okay, you go with your one-on-one. It's like, I, <laughs> I see that your passing is struggling coming from the opposite side of the core. May, why is that? And it's like, well, I can never see the ball because I'm the blockers or whatever. It's like, well, okay, that's a position issue. You're in the wrong slot. Sure. You have to be more over the top of the blocker. You might have to look to the left. You can't just look at the ball straight on because you're too small. So you got to look to your left or whatever. I am just talking out my ass, but. No, it's fine. You can also put it in basketball terms as well. Right. Like. Whatever. You feel more comfortable going that route. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm not seeing the court because of, you know, whatever. I'm not reading the defense properly. It's like, well, you can't shoot a mid-range jumper and every high school team we play in our division runs a 2-3 zone on you. That's right. Let's let's work on expanding the range a little bit. Let's work right. on a couple of driving and kicking like, where the help is your coming Your passing is great, but when you catch the ball on the free throw line, when we have a when we can start breaking down the press, you freeze. Like you're they're giving you a mid-range jumper. And you're either not talented or quick enough to take it to the hole. So that mid-range jumper needs to be your weapon. Sure. Or whatever. But, you know, just a little... Um... I like that. I, I, I have never really uh, thought about it like that. And then also, I think maybe something to add that maybe just... I'm just going to throw it on out there is listen to the criticism after there's no more emotions in, in a situation. If you're getting criticism in a highly emotional situation... Not going to happen. Right. That's maybe not a good time to take it to heart, right? Right. Um, you get heat. You get, you know, heated in a situation, argument, during a match, during a game. Maybe that's not the greatest time to take the criticism actually to heart because you're still competing or you're still working on something that's going on, you know, that's tangible in the moment. Maybe we can um, reassess afterwards and then have a debrief, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's another good point. Is, you know, you're going to be emotional when someone says you're not doing something correctly. And the other person that's giving the criticism is going to be emotional. So that might be irrational as well. Right. So you just need to let the heat die off and then maybe have a conversation afterwards. Sure. Sure. No, but I like it. A lot of constructive criticism I'm going to do on myself is some golf we had after this weekend. Um, oh, let's dive right into that, dude. I, um, you played a little uh, Ukaipa, Ukaipa tournament this Saturday. Yeah, I did. Um, I'm officially, if people don't know, I'm officially under a swing change. Yeah, I love. Let's let's put it out there. Let's throw it in the atmosphere. It's let's stamp it on this date. You right. know, I think this Saturday was really the first time you were like, I'm gonna play some. I'm gonna play some golf. 
I'm going to like try a new swing thought that's swing going on. theory. I yeah. practice the swing a lot. Um, I need to go to the range and do it more. Um, when you're not going to the range and you're not doing certain things with practice, like swing changes, like you said, are very long and strenuous because you're not able to put those reps in. Sure. So um, like, let's let's uh, try to spell it out for the people in a in a quick little right quick little outline here. What, so are, what I, are you trying to do? I stand up when I impact the ball. Mm-hmm. So I extend upwards. Right. I, I fully extend my arms and I almost get on my tippy toes to hit the golf ball. And what that does is when I lose a, a lot of distance, I lose all my power in my lower legs and ends up creating a huge slicer cut. Yeah. Which is inconsistent. I've learned how to play with it. And if I'm really standing up on shots, I'm really struggling with it. And I'll feel like also um, it's str- you struggle to um, catch up strike every once in a while as really well. Really pure one. And I and the main issue with it is distance. Yeah. And it's not like you're a short hitter by any means um, because you would drive it on average. Let's call it, if you're driving the ball really well, you're 260 on average, 270 I'm on driving average. driving it well, yeah, like 270. Yeah, really well on average. Really well. But I'm usually finding them in the fairway. Like I'm, yeah. it, was con- it was a consistent swing for me, but I hit the peak with it. I sure. wasn't going to progress. So what I am trying to do now is when I'm making impact, I'm trying to explode through the ball by rotating my hip outward and hitting down on it and lifting up after impact and fully rotating my my yeah. bottom half through the golf swing. You're trying to get that belt buckle going a little bit more towards the target instead of towards the golf ball, mm-hmm. right? And you're trying to... Um, Hold my hands off. Yeah, and also get that right shoulder dip going down to the mm-hmm. golf ball. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really hard change because you're, in theory making like a probably like a 40 or 50 degree turn in a span of like, you know, a split second, you need to like change a lot. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and I'm not like fully thinking about it when I'm playing golf, but I've been practicing it so much. I think it's just happening and I know I'm trying to do it. Yeah. Um, cause there was a couple of, uh, iron shots that you hit on Sunday where I saw a little glimpse of it. I was like, Oh, Dude, you just flew the green. I cannot remember. I mean, you took a little bit too much club for yeah, that part three. Also, but you also just yeeted that thing over the green. You hit a six iron like one eighty five, I think. Or yeah, which is like pretty that's far huge. from me. That's big. Yeah, that's like normally I get a six iron like one eighty ish on a really good swing. Right. It's kind of like, like you like to go feathery one seventy five. It's kind of right. like your six iron. Yeah. So I'll I'll go I'll light everything up. Which then also causes its own problems, which makes you more handsy as a player. And, and I think a lot of it, too, is you're just kind of banking on just, like, not hitting it really flush right. as well. And, like, if you flush one, you're like, damn, okay, well, I just, like, totally missed my yardage. You blew past it. But, yeah, so I played Ukaipa. I shot an 87. Yeah. Um, I played well. Solid, dude. Yeah, I played well. Um, Ukaipa is a super easy track. So, like, mid to low 80s is good. Ooh, sorry. Yeah, but, you know, you got to throw your handicap in there as well. So, like, is it a par 72 course? Uh, Yes. Or 71? It's 72. Okay. So, you know. like 6,500 yards. Yeah. So, you know, it's not the most difficult course in the world, um, but it's fun. Um, You would see a a year ago now, dude, Mm -hmm. you would be killing for breaking 90. 
a lot. Yeah, you kaipa, I should break 90 almost every time. A year ago, though, you were struggling to break 90. Yeah. Ever, really. That is true. I also had you know. two tweet tweets out there. Love that. So I had a little two two birdies that helped me out with a couple of doubles I had. That's huge. Basically just bogey golf throughout, a couple pars, a couple birdies. Um, played, played pretty well. Had some really great wedges. Driver was cooked. It was nice. more piercing, the fly of the drive, less loopy. And I hit, for any of the listeners, I hit my ball all the way to Denver. I hit, <laughs> that goes up to the moon. It is just <laughs> so high. And if there's any sort of win, the ball is gone. But um, the real round is when we played together on our men's club this week. That weekend. was fun. That was a good little time because we actually, um, I'm glad you said something because it was the senior championship for our Mile Square tournament. Obviously, we're not seniors. That's not us. We were a little bit bummed because obviously we like playing some competitive golf and we only get tournaments once a month. Right. You know, and so we actually had a free weekend that like, oh my God, we don't have anything going on. This would be a great time to just get around. But it's the senior open championship, whatever they call it at the at the at the club. So I'm glad you reached out mm -hmm. to the board and we're like, hey, like, can we just at least do like, you know, a like, you know, reserve some tea times, maybe make it an individual tournament, something along those lines so we can get out there and play. And they luckily created like, I don't know what it was, probably like an hour's worth of tea times of guys that you can like show up and play. And yeah, not many people signed up um, for our separate tournament just because it was kind of not promoted well. It wasn't on a, the tournament. It was, it was last second. Very last second. But um, but I'm glad we got to play though because it, it we was were good not practice. Yeah, we were not part of the tournament, so we were able to do a nice little skins match, play some dots. Super fun. Um, really fun, where it wasn't match play, so skins, so we would actually, like, we had some carryover holes. Um, and then dots out there. We I thought we played some really fun ones. If you ever want to do a fun game yeah. that's very random, that rewards some, kind of some janky play every once in a while, but also rewards good plays, because there's a million little different ways to score dots, right? Is that, that's what it's called, yeah, right? Yeah, like dots. So basically it's, you know, for example, getting in a bunker and getting up and down from a bunker, it's called a sandy. Hitting a tree and making a par, barky. Going into the water. <laughs> some of these names are all time. Right, dude. going in the water and still making par, sharky. Um, if you hit a really bad drive and you still make par, you can call them the shankies. Right, you're like you're playing from the other fairway. Right, and that's not fair because you live in the Shankies. I do. Um, Except this past weekend, though, dude. Yeah, pa uh, this. There's also some very applicable ones too. Green and reg. If you hit a fairway, mm -hmm. um, if you're first on the green, mm -hmm. uh, longest putt made. Um, you could basically make up just about anything that you want to do. Right, just Google. Um, different scenario of dots and, and uh, golf and you'll find a bunch but you're also under a swing change buddy and I think you might have found some this weekend. I think I might have and thank God for my back being just like 92 years old this right. weekend because I was hurting and I needed to do something and I obviously you can't back out of the tournament I was a little bit bummed like I already paid for it I'm like okay I'm just gonna right. have to do some rehab and just make this thing work and I just you know the back just goes when it wants to it's just in comes and goes I don't know what the dealio is with it but you know I gotta take care of it more than the rest of everyone it seems like but, you really um, do which is got me infuriating uh, it's a little f yeah and you know I did fall out of like my routine for like two weeks of like really kind of like stretching, rolling out, you know, like 
doing all my like my hip mobility and shit. And that's probably why, because I like went and like did some stuff at uh, my aunt's house and like, you know, picking up a couple of things, doing a couple like bending over things. And it just like sent my back into a frenzy. So like, you know, I fell out of it. So now I'm getting back into it and the back's feeling better. But long story short here, I think I kind of found something this weekend and it's uh, almost in a weird way. I'm been working on a swing change for a long time and it's something that I've, that's something that you are now like approaching into a little bit more like right. getting that right shoulder down, getting those, getting that, um, you know, that belt buckle facing the target a little bit more, rotating more, staying down on it, um, compressing the golf ball a little bit more, holding off angles, trying to get less flippy at the bottom. Right. Um, and my little swing thought was I'm just going to sit my, like sit my butt into a chair is my feeling right and then push my weight to my left side at the top of my backswing and then just rotate and stand up and like it worked really well like i've never hit the golf ball so straight and like far online and yeah. i it did not sacrifice any distance at all no if anything maybe like five yards i would maybe which is exactly what i need like i don't need any like i don't i sure distance is great but like we're not going out there and playing 7,400 yards, par 70, like the PGA Championship this past weekend no. at Oak Hill. I don't need that yards. We're going out and playing 6,700, 68, 7,000 is like really long. Right. But like, I just need to be able to hit a seven iron inbounds. I cannot hit a seven iron out of bounds, which I do sometimes. Right. I will yank a seven iron straight out of bounds, and it is the most demoralizing thing. After you hit like a three ten drive, it's 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 terrible. So the consistency of the game needs to get better, and I feel like this maybe this little swing thought. I got to keep pressing onwards with it. Um, I definitely want to keep trying with it because I might have found something there. I felt like I was in a good position. My curvature was way down. Usually I play like some big slinging draws every once in a while when it gets really out of control, you know, and then my start line is 50 yards right. And if it doesn't come over and, you know, if it doesn't turn over, then I'm just in the boonies just way away. Um, so I feel like I really was uh, onto something. I drove the ball great. I only lost one drive all day. And usually I lose tons, right? you know, or I was never really in the trees. I was no. never really like... I mean, I was like in the rough, but I was never like in trouble off the tee very often. Yeah, you weren't like under, you know, like a, under like 40 trees that you try to like hit a huge hook out of. So I feel like that that in itself is like hitting a fairway for me. Like if I don't have to deal with any tree trouble and the rough's not too bad, that's like hitting a fairway for me. For like sure. That's great because then I'm down there and I got wedge in. It doesn't even matter really. No, not at all. If and, I'm hitting out of light rough. And also the most impressive part of it was your wedge game was on too. Yeah, dude, that, that's been really fun. Um, yeah. Ever since I was convinced by you to bring in that new uh, wedge into the bag and bend a couple of degrees, so now I got five wedges in the bag, um, I found out that I was really good. And if anyone's looking into a little bit more of their wedge game once get a little bit more control, this is something that I really struggle with when I take big full swings and I'll end up blocking or I'll just kind of end up just blocking it out there or sometimes it overdraws. But this is like a nice three-quarter, very compact, take it back, almost like a ROM height backswing. Mm -hmm. And just make sure I'm just like pretty much, you know, not full go, but a good solid acceleration with my lob wedge. And that's 85 yards. Typically that goes, 
um, like a 105 would be like my max 110 yeah. if I'm really maxing out if that kind of gauges where where we're talking about here and um, you can do that swing as what I found out with just about any of your clubs but you could really deal with uh, up to like a five iron probably but that wouldn't be very successful wouldn't get in the air very well right so you can apply that to just about any of my wedges and so I started doing that and I find myself you know, 110 out. And so instead of pulling a 55 degree sand wedge, I would pull my 50 degree gap wedge and mm -hmm. do my little bit of like a three quarter stock swing that I would do like 85 yards, my lob wedge and do just like pin high to 15 feet left, right? You know, five feet long, you know, 10 feet to the right. So I got like, I don't know how many birdie lucks I had, I had a good, like, probably six, seven birdie good looks. Birdie, birdie good looks. birdie looks. You shot an 81, I believe. I did shoot an 81. But it was really comfortable 81. It was the most comfortable I've seen you shoot an 81 in a very, very long yeah. time. Yeah, I was never scrambling. Um, it didn't feel like I was ever in trouble. When I did, and, dude, I couldn't putt to save my life. You doubled the first. I doubled the first, bogeyed the second, and then I hit that ball out of bounds and had a re-tee on number four. 16 and I, right. and I was able to make I had a look at bogey I had like a seven foot putt up the hill because I hit like a 130 yard like right. pitching wedge did like my same three quarter shot stuck it to like seven or eight feet and then just like just blew it barely by like had like was just right, like right on the edge right on the edge so many times um the new player will fix that problem for yeah, you. Yeah, dude. I'm just really searching for that, dude. And I also missed like a three and a half footer, which is very like uncharacteristic. I mean, it happens to everyone, mm -hmm. but I felt like it was a very easy putt. And I was like, I just yanked it. I couldn't putt to save my life this weekend for a hot minute. So you shot 91 on, on Sunday though, which is solid, dude. Yeah. I mean, there was moments of the game that like the creativity was with a new swing. I'm able to control it a bit more. Sure. I was able to like, you know, punch out a hybrid that rolled it up into the middle of the green. Never was able to do that before. Dude, you hit a beautiful six iron as well under a tree. Right. Like from the rough. Skipped it like where I was kind of saying to skip it and got pin high. Put it to like 30 feet. Right. Of course, you three putted. Really unfortunate. But the fact right. that you got yourself out of that situation, you would have... I don't know. I don't know how many times you would have been successful pulling that off. I probably would have hit a tree then does something else. So the swing changes here, um, and when golf, you know, when this does happen, and you love golf, you eventually will, you know, play enough where you're starting to realize your problems. You got to write it out. Yeah. It's not, you know, I have some friends who take lessons, and almost always they tell me, like, oh, I got gotten worse since I've taken lessons. Like, it always is, Gets like, worse, cloudy worse. before it's... It, the sun starts to shine. Yeah. Like you have to go through the suck phase of you gotta, golf. You got to have those thunderstorms for to see a little rainbow action, right. you know? And um, I think a way to eliminate some of these rainbows is VR golf. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah how sick clouds. is that, huh? I really, really... Um, so there's a thing called Golf Plus that's out right now on an Oculus. And Oculus, when it first came out, was cool for the Golf Plus. You had some courses... You could play on a like a little remote, like a Wii remote almost. And it was like realistic enough. Well, the new Oculus came out. Golf Plus got an update where they add a bunch of like new, very fun courses. Wasn't the, this where, uh, wasn't Rory like trying it out? Rory is now a... Um, is he a rep for it? He's a rep for oh, it. Oh, shit. Okay. And I did not know that. there is a company on the side that will sell you a golf club. It's like just a shaft. It's like a little attachment, right? It's a shaft with a real grip 
It's a real shaft. Okay. And at the bottom of it, they have like a little weight that makes it the same way as a golf club. And wow. It, I did if, not know about this, And if you dude. attach a Joy-Con to it, it actually makes it a little heavier than a golf club. Okay. Well, so if you play a little heavier, which I believe we play a slightly heavier than the average golf club um, weight, it um, now can almost simulate a practice swing for you. And I was thinking, how much fun would it be if we were bored on a f- Wednesday night and me and you got 18 holes in at Wolf Creek with our Oculus? That would be so fun. And we're able to practice our, we can be like every, every shot you're fading, every shot I'm drawing. And you can also, yeah, that's a great way to do it. Like you never draw the golf ball. Right. I never fade the golf ball. And like working on like one shot, you have to do it this way because there's no consequences. Right. Once you buy the damn thing, then you just have it. Uh, right. Maybe you have to pay for like a monthly subscription. Maybe it's 10 bucks, whatever. whatever. Like that's nothing, right? But you're also getting way more swings. And you're, yeah, and like if you're going through a swing change, like we both are, and we're trying to change something, like that is like one of, maybe it's not the most accurate or best way to do it. But the thing that I struggle with the most when I'm trying to go through a swing change is when that golf ball is in front of me and I need to make the mo- the motion that I've been practicing, mm-hmm. it suddenly goes out the window sometimes. Right. Because now I need to like be accurate and like, you know, I have doubt that I'm going to be able to hit the center of the club face. Like I hit it anyways, whatever, but <laughs> right. But you know what I'm trying to say, right? Because all of that kind of just goes out the window. But and now you if you're just... visualizing a golf ball in front of you with an Oculus on, and, and people say it's very realistic. Um, like Mark Crossfield did a video on it, and he was yep. like actually really impressed on how accurate it was. I think he, I thought he did one with the original Oculus. Yeah, this is, a, and not so having now this a is golf Oculus, te- not now this having, is Oculus 2, right? It's like Oculus 2 with the, with yeah. the remote. See, this is sick. So I'm 100% going to buy one. Once the um, golf club and grip and weight thing does come out, I'm going to get one. And if you need someone to go in there, have these with you. I think you just get your own so we both can play. Can you play online? Yes. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Really? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So you can play from your apartment. I can play from here. What are you doing right now? Nothing. Let's get 18 on Wolf Creek real Wow. Quick. Special. Right. That's really cool. It might kill late night hangouts, though. Uh, we're playing some golf. Or we just, like, do it. We can, like, I could bring mine over. Right. You bring yours over. Right. Whatever, dude. And I, yeah, you can play online. I'll have to do some more research to see how, how it works out. That's but once, really cool. But once we can get the golf club attachment, because I don't want it without the golf club attachment. You got to have it with the golf club attachment. Because um, I think they're, like, they're making a prototype right now. Okay. Um, so it will be released. People are talking about it. But that's something I'm really excited to do. So keep that on your radar. I think that's yeah. awesome. Do you know like anytime like release date? Are you like... Golf is it, Plus is, it, is like, out now. Okay. Um, it has been for a while. It's going to keep getting better and better. Oculus 2 is out now. Um, it says the product... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. They're out. separate from one another. Correct. Uh, I see. So Oculus is the gaming system. Got it. And got it, Golf got it. Plus is the game, which I think is like 50 or 60 bucks. <laughs> which is absolutely nothing. If you're t- talking the, virtual reality... Right. The, the console insane. is like 200, 230, I think. Okay. So the console is where you get your bang for your buck. Um, and then the the... The attachment, which I assume will be 60 to 80 bucks. Sure. Something like that. And maybe uh, it's more because maybe it's like a Wii remote type situation where like, you know, it needs to have some sort of sensor it, in it. Or, it what it comes with is a clamp 
for your remote you put in, and mm-hmm. it's just a golf club. Okay. So that's it. Keeping it heavy on the radar, dude. That sounds like such um, a cool little thing to, to um, just for us to during practice. the week. Maybe we can't make it to the range. Maybe it's raining outside. Right. I don't know. Like, there's tons of ex- like excuses that you could make up. You know, you just like you obviously can't go to the range at like ten o'clock at night, and that's usually when we have a little bit of free time right, to kind of hang out to practice my game. Sure. Yo, let's go play to eighteen at um, Sawgrass, and let's do best ball. So sick. And just go and play. Maybe you're going to go on a boys trip and one of the golf courses is Pinehurst. And you're like, dude, I want to be ready for Pinehurst. I want to know what I'm going to play. And you can go a play bit of a cheat right there and, and go get 18 holes in Pinehurst before you go play. You it. can see all the carries. Right. You can see like where the trouble is. There's one fucking pop bunker on seven. Fuck that thing. Just right. like lay up before it. Right. So you play <laughs> enough. I think it's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, was, and you look super cool when you wear that thing. Too. Oh, yeah. Everyone, <laughs> I mean, the wife thinks you're so hot, you know, wearing an Oculus. Hey, honey, I'm playing Wolf Creek with Andrew here in five. I'm in the living room. I'm sure it'll be. Uh, you a can't fun come in here right now because you know how you get. Right. When you see your boy. When you see your boy in his Oculus. I know you get all hot and bothered. Uh, can't 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 touch me. I'm in a, another dimension right now playing playing Pebble Beach with Andrew. Uh, um, you know what was also uh, awesome with golf this weekend was the PGA Championship was going on. Dude, was, what an unbelievable tournament. Did you catch a decent amount of it? I caught a good amount Sunday with you when we were playing. I watched the majority on my yeah. phone then. I watched a lot of intros to it, um, course breakdowns from Friday, um, Golf Digest. Those are some of Dude, my you got to get it, like, make it a, make it a point this coming Father's Day with the U.S. Open. Get yourself locked in for a good two days. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to... You know what you need to do? I think we just need to watch it together because, like, you can't record. You can't... Like, that's the biggest issue, right. right? You can't record. Like, that's that's the biggest bummer. That's the biggest letdown because right. what a, what an awesome tournament it was. I watched a fair, a fair amount of it. Like, I watched probably, like, eight to ten hours of... Golf. PGA Championship. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, Father's Day weekend, we have our two-man scramble on Saturday. Great. We can watch some of it then. Yeah. And you know? Then Sunday, I'll be with a pop, so I'll he'll probably want to watch. Um, I mean, the course itself was amazing, but the big story for me, which I know people are annoyed about talking about, but just for me was Michael Block, um, was just such an unreal story. Um, a local guy from Arroyo Chibuco, one of my favorite courses here in Orange County. He's a club pro there. Ends up getting to playing into this tournament somehow. Yeah, he qualifies, goes to like, you know, the amateur events. Right. Qualifies for the damn thing. What an unbelievable story, dude. Just sensational what the man was able to do out there. 46 years old, only one. $75,000, right? Wasn't that it? He's yeah. won one tournament at $75,000. Yeah, Michael Rappaport, like, um, the golf reporter. Um, for uh, Four Play Golf. Yeah, asked him, um, what's the most amount of money you wanted in a golf tournament? It was like $75,000 for a club pro amateur tournament that he won. It was like back and, in um, 2014, 13 or something right, like that. Made a cool 245000 for 15th place or something. And ticket or like rode his ticket into the next 2024 PGA championship as yep. well. Secured that thing. And the fans were riding him to the whole way through. Unbelievable. And, and he um, had to drain that like, he had to also go up and down on 18. Oh my God, what a story. And like just drain the 12 footer. 
I, mean, I don't know what it was. It wasn't a six footer. Right, Jim Nance, roll, stay up, and dropped it. Oh my god! And the club and the dude. I think the like the fans literally willed that golf ball to go in. I mean, I was, was rocking. It was as rowdy as the waste management tournament. It was great to see. People were screaming his last name. It was really really fun to see. I know people. I heard some people in the media. Um, golf media who I kind of, you know, look up to say, you know, not many got annoyed with the story because, like, what's the point? Why are we hearing about this guy who got 15th place? And I I don't think it's the golf that exactly he was yep. exhilarating us with. It was the story. It's the story, man. Everyone dreams uh, your whole, his whole life is golf. He's a PGA Tour, like, teacher he's a trainer he charges 150 hours say, a session i would say let's take it back even a little bit let's take even a golf enthusiast let's call ourselves us right and let's say us we were able to somehow become really good over the next 15 years and we put something together and we qualify for a damn thing and we're not even a pga professional great he is like that's even better because that, that he's got more of a stake in golf yeah but like even like a golf just enthusiast that does it as a hobby like that's that's like his yeah he's lucky to call it his job but like that's just such a mountain to climb over and it's like the pinnacle of golf and you get to play at the PGA Championship and you get to compete we got to play around with Justin Rose and then he got to play around with Rory McIlroy I mean all time the dude shed a tear when he heard that he was paired up with Rory McIlroy after Saturday I mean, on his round like that's like all you need. I mean, that's as a golfer, you can just die. That's you, it. Like you legitimately, you just hang up your golf clubs and never play another round of golf. You kind of peaked. Oh, and by the way, he also just dunked one in for a hole in one, and Rory McIlroy goes over there and gives him a big old bear hug. Yeah, like all time from Rory to be understanding of in that moment. I mean, the man really just never takes an L, even when he's supposed to. He just doesn't do it. I just don't think it's possible for Rory to have. He is a political machine. He is exactly what you want to see out of like the PGA Tour. That's why he's on the board. That's why he's a major spokesperson. And there's a reason for that is the man is just a true character of humility. Like he really, really does bring it. And I think um, what better way to just like have Michael Block paired with Rory Right. I just sensational, really. It was um, all time. The course was amazing. I think it was one of my favorite courses to visually look at and watch people play. Played great. Um, scores were good. I just wish there was more heat at the end of a golf tournament for me. That's exactly it. That's what we're missing right now. There's not a lot of nail-biting tournaments. Last year, last year was unbelievable, dude. It was the most sudden deaths. It was the most, like, one-shot victories I think in like the last like 30 or 40 years. Get a butcher that number, but it was right. it was obscene. I remember seeing it. They were commentating it all the time and like it just kept happening week after week after week. And we're missing a little bit of that. I I feel we're like We're just sad because you can't really um can't really help it if the player is playing out of his mind it is but you know i always wonder what do they do when tiger was just dominating these people by 10 or 15 strokes it's just because he was so electric to watch like how is somebody this good um dominating that way um brooks got the win um i mean congratulations brooks it was cool to you know he's a hell of a play. player right now dude yeah, he's see him play like that again past uh past roy mcroy for most weight majors that's that's tough for rory 
You know, he's the seventh player since like the open shot era to wow. get to have five majors. I mean, he's a he's a hell of a player, and you know, it's unfortunate live one. The man's got eight PGA Tour wins, and five of them are majors. Baller. I mean, he knows how to play majors. He knows how to play majors, and like you know, maybe he does. To me, he gives off the appearance of I don't really give two shits. Right, but like it's just golf. We're not really athletes. But it's when he, really but when sport. we when he gets down to it, like and it's major time, he really buckles in. And really the, shows the up. The dude is. Like I, I forgot how good he was, and he really put it on display on I, Sunday. Um, heard a funny story from Barstool Sports. They had an interview with Brooks after um, the tournament, and they asked him, you know, um, in the no um, in the swing documentary. Yeah, there's a scene where he's like kind of down out on himself, and they asked him why he was like that. And it was funny enough. He said he lost a March Madness bet, and it was a huge one. So he was already in like a bad headspace <laughs> after that. And then, and it's so funny because if you're a gambler, that would put you in a bad headspace. So that's a little bit more understandable. But great tournament, um, super fun, great stories. Very excited to hopefully Oak Hill to be in the rotation with some more often, maybe U.S. Open down the line or something. That can truly, that really does that golf course does bring a huge test to the players. And you're looking at tons of tons of players. There was at one point only six players like under par. I don't know how many Peel players actually finished under par because I know the conditions were a little bit easier on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I do want to make a quick note on the Saturday gameplay. I thought that was really cool because it was just raining all day and they just played in the rain all day long. Yeah. I, and I thought that was one of the coolest things to watch. I've never really watched a tournament that was, you know, usually it's like thunderstorms. You have to cancel, suspended, whatever. It's just like a light drizzle all day long. And they just have to play in it. I thought the conditions were extremely difficult and windy, rainy. I've just never, never really watched a tournament when it's been like in those conditions. Right. Normally, they just call it. Um, it looked really challenging. A lot of, broke a lot of players, and I, and I get that. Um, talking about broken players, Laker basketball is officially over as of tonight. Yeesh. Lost game four to the Nuggets. Um, I mean, in a bittersweet in a lot of ways. Like I don't have to watch us keep losing and my hopes and dreams die slowly um also just you know because if we won game four i mean i gotta give it to the nuggets we're not we're not winning that game we're not winning this we're not rattling off four games no. in a row There's if, no if we would have kept going after our second half motivation and maybe blew them out by 20 i would have thought maybe. okay maybe we found something there with tristan thompson I think the lineup at the end of the game should have been 80, Tristan Thompson, um, Hachimura, um, like, Le or sorry, Austin Reeves, LeBron, and, dude, bring Lonnie Walker in the run point. Yeah. And just let, um, or, I mean, Schroeder's playing great D. We're just not a well-built team. I, I just, I, what drove me absolutely nuts in game four was mm -hmm. the fact that we came out in the second half and Schroeder was running and taking all of the shots and I'm like what the hell just happened what did we talk about in halftime what was our game plan coming out if it's not LeBron right. because he absolutely erupted in the first half and just Balled the out. man played possessed and I get it you can't like I, I'm saying I don't think that a young player in his prime could maybe do that every single time or at will it's right. a long game like and he's like taking a brute of his he's taking a lot of force and a lot of physicality 
You know, he's not like Steph Curry where he can just like do that all game long. And he's older. Yeah, he's banging in the paint. Um, but like, let's not have Schroeder hit like like floaters and pull up jumpers. Like if he gets a pull up three and he needs a take as or seven seconds or less on the shot clock. Or he's open. And he's open. Great. Fire away. But like if he's, we're running pick and rolls with Schroeder and we're not going to AD and I get it. I know AD only had like 14 points, but like you got to go to your superstar. If it's like not why, LeBron, why was it always a screen and roll? Why are we not giving AD the ball on the block? Ever? And he can shoot from 17 feet. He's like a 50% field goal yeah, shooter. Once, once this should be the offense. We're not scoring. LeBron's tired. AD on the block. Everyone cut off of AD. Yeah. And then great. The and then like, you know, then you can sub him out if he gets tired. Tristan Thompson comes in, comes back in. Brings back a ton of energy because the man well, was Tristan played great. He was awesome, and I was wondering why he wasn't like we didn't go to that more. And then I know Rui was also balling out as well. Like why didn't we go to him? Yeah. Like why didn't we go to Re- like it was just didn't these make- games these adjustments should have been made either in game two. It just um, didn't make any sense too- to me, and I was really it was just too late. Really, yeah, but like. We played great, and then, like, we got to know that Schroeder is the fifth option on the floor. Right. Schroeder, um, I don't mind Schroeder. Um, I don't mind him either. He's, like, he's great for, uh, sorry, keep going. Um, Playing from where he was playing from, um, he was playing great defense. He was hitting threes. I don't like him passing open shots because he's a good enough shooter to shoot that. But I agree. Schroeder is not your option one, two, or three. He's, like, four or five. On that. Um, so now I'm ride or die with the heat all day right now. I can't stand Jokic's brothers at all. Jokic's brothers? Uh, he has two brothers and they're fucking goons. Are they in the stands? I've, I've yeah, never even they're like seen in the them. stands. They were heckling Jack Nicholas on the way out. Jack Nicholas basically has dementia at this point. Jesus. They've been kicked out of games before for fighting. Really? They're like douchey. They're always drunk. They're tied up. They're like, they're just goons. And, um, I've never seen any like seen, seen anything yeah, like that. Yeah, so you gotta check out check out Jokic's brothers at games. They they've been historically like bad um, presses. They also like try to fight an NBA player because they push Jokic. Um, they're just not good dudes. Um, okay, so I'm, I mean I'm again. Right, Heat. Yeah, I'm loving the Cinderella story. It's unbelievable what they're doing over there. So I'm all gung ho on the Heat, and right. I, as you know. And as you know, you hate the Celtics. I hate the Celtics. Right. Don't want to Celtics. Don't let don't want to see him win. I hope they get swept. And tomorrow. I don't want to see the Nuggets either. I don't really care about Jokic and these guys. So yeah, screw them. I, um, I do like the way he plays. And so take the brothers out of the equation. And let's just talk basketball. Jokic is an unbelievable basketball player. So yeah, Jokic is all time talent. He's he super fun to watch. he deserves a ring. So yeah, that that's fine too. I get that. Um, but let's just Jimmy Butler, dude. Unreal. Man's a dog. As and a also, dog and also they just have like seven undrafted players that are playing on that team right now. And they all just fit in the system super well. Um, I watched some press conferences after the Laker game to figure out what, you know, what LeBron and AD were going to say. It didn't sound great that LeBron was coming back. Sound more like retirement. He's like, I got a lot of things I need to think about this off season. Um, normally LeBron's very quick to be like, yeah, I'll see you guys next season. But it seemed like I did not see that. It seemed like he was taking a step slower and I wouldn't be surprised if he retires and 
does that strategically. So if his son gets drafted, LeBron gets a full year off for his body to recoup. And whenever his son gets drafted, he gets to assign the veteran minimum with that team. And every team's taking that deal. Yeah. No one's saying no to a 40 year old. Jersey LeBron sales chance. alone. Jersey sales alone just helps you out. You think LeBron <laughs> can help you on the bench? Right. LeBron LeBron's no longer a first option. That's very clear. And he, he shouldn't even really be your second option. LeBron should be your third option. And it's hard when you're that because you got to be more of a shooter. If he can't shoot, then we got issues. But, like, the Lakers need a number one option. They need, in this offseason, I mean, he, he, he can play Aaron Gordon right. on the team all, easily. All, all but the man still got it. He just dropped, like, 40 points. Still, He still has it. I just don't think he can be – he can he can no longer carry a team throughout a season. You're going to well, need yeah. you're gonna need DeRozan. You're going to need a Butler. AD is a great Robin. He's not a Batman. I love AD. I, everyone's shitting on AD, this and that. I don't think the Lakers go through AD and they don't want to because I know for a fact if AD caught the ball in the block and they were going to ride or die with AD, he would be fine on scoring. But that's not the, what they want to do. LeBron needs to be third option. AD needs to be number two, which means we need to find number one option in the offseason. And it's not going to be Austin Reeves. It's not Rui. We need to find, like, DeMar DeRozan. We need to get, like, uh, sure. We need to get like an elite shooter or a point guard who can absolutely facilitate. I don't want Kyrie. Where are we going to find that cash, though? That's that's another thing. Right. I mean, we <laughs> we only have two players signed right now, which is LeBron and AD for a huge cap space and okay. 80 mil. So I guess we can see where this all comes from, but I agree with you. Mm-hmm. We, I guess, well, I didn't know that LeBron might be hanging it up. It sounded like he, I didn't know that he was talking about retiring. We'll see. All leading up to this, we are, he was always talking about staying in the league, making sure that he wants to play with Bronny. And then like, well, that's- he can, I mean, what the cool thing is now he can watch Bronny's college season. He can train Bronny. Bronny gets drafted. LeBron just goes wherever Bronny's at. Yeah. And now he gets to go play with his son in the NBA. Makes sense. And no team saying no to LeBron James after a year full of rest. Like the dude's going to come back jacked. He's going to be healthier than he's ever <laughs> going to be healthier. Like he's just going to be balling. Um, but yeah, man. Hell of a podcast from here. We got our last little segment of the three silver linings of moving here. Three silver linings of moving. And we're going to take off the table of obviously like where you're moving to. Like that's a, right. that's a given, right? We're going to move away from that. And, um, you know, we're going to find the three silver linings from there. Can you start us off this time? I will. I'm yeah. going to start us off. Starting off at number three for me. Um, actually, I'm going to do my honorable mention first of a silver lining. Oh, you got four over here. Okay. My honorable mention is the donuts before we start moving. Is that a is that a thing? I love a I love a good do- baker dozen of donuts when we Whoa, get Oh, that'll really get the body primed to have right. some heavy get, things. Get with a bunch of people, have them have a donut. Everyone loves it. You kind of nibble them as you go. It's okay. great. Um, Can't stand a damn thing still, but yeah, right, I get you. I'll, I'll play along. Um, I like <laughs> number three here. Everyone's sense of misery. Um, when you're moving yeah. or like you're, you're bonding over trauma, like everyone hates moving and there's like a small hint of humor throughout the whole day yeah. of small little jokes and jabs at people. And there's like a little animosity, but fun. It's kind of giggly. Everyone knows the situation and everyone's a little bit on edge. And yes, I, there Love is, that. there is that little bit of banter. 
Um, number two, which is my mom's favorite thing and my favorite thing, um, one of my favorite things about doing it is throwing away all your old shit. Yep. I am a huge proponent. If you didn't see it before you packed it, it's now gone. It's <laughs> Well, no, it's currently in the same status right that it's, it was it's never it's gone. been it's never been it's never been a thing right if i pick it up and I go oh that's so cool i forgot about these fucking race cars i collected gone well, see ya yeet like unless it's in my memory box i have a box i put all my, okay like, that's things smart i keep that have some sentimental value to me concert tickets movies whatever uh if it's not in that box and i find them they're gone and number one uh, for me, is the shower after the first day of moving into Ooh. your new place. That's a great one right there, if dude. You, once you're, you're at the, you don't sleep better. You get your new bed set up. Everything, all the boxes are in the house. You just pray to God, one, you got to have a good shower head. You probably bring your old shower head with I, you. I'm already, I'm already on that. People, I have people coming yep. in. My dad's helping me set up a new shower head. There you go. He's taking out the... Um, Whatever it is in the inside the shower head, that like water regulator. There's like a water regulator in your shower head. Yeah, you take that bitch he right on out, out of there. Yeah, and and <laughs> it it slaps. It's like Niagara Falls come out of there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just always love that feeling of having your bed on the floor with boxes in the house, and everyone's kind of gone, and you're you and your wife are just exhausted, and you both get to go take a shower, and you come back to bed, and you're like. Oh, it's so nice. And you kind of wake up and you're forgetting you're near in your new place. I love it. It's great. That's a great feeling right there, dude. Mm -hmm. um, I thought we'd actually have very similar lists, but we don't. Right. Um, and so I love that. Yet again, here we are. Number three for me is the same number three for you, though. It, it is the finding the humor. And it's always, I feel like it's like that bonding experience. Right. The you feel bonding. like you are kind of going through the trenches, you know? Right. And for... My apartment where I was lifting, where I was uh, moving to, third floor. Oh, God. No elevator. Right. And that in itself, I found the most humor moving a couch into the apartment. The yeah. most humor. I mean, it's it was a terrible experience. But Awful. I just, it, it is forever ingrained in my memory getting a couch up there. It's you know? um, impossible to... I helped Chris move out of your third story floor. And you, you take injuries going down three you're getting, you're getting bruised up. Your shins are all different colors. Right. You're just getting, you're just catching just fucking the, shells. Just, just, right, yeah. just right, right to the middle of the shin. And, and let me tell you, yeah, you're just getting kicked right in the shin, basically. It's it's, it's that bad. Right. Um, but there's some sick humor to that. And you know what other um, fun little tangent and fun story we want to talk about, too, mm -hmm. is when we were moving into Loma and we were helping Eric and Jason move in. Oh yeah! You remember where we had how we had to configure the couch? So basically, we had this like little twisty, windy staircase that was only like six steps. Then you had to turn around. Then it was like a brick wall because it was another six steps going the other way. And there was tiny. A, there was another story above you. So there's also just it was just a really inefficient thing to like. You can't get anything in and out of there. Like you have to move a fridge. Like that's kind of tough too. But any large object. And so Eric brings. His like six seater couch. Yeah, six sectional, huge couch. Huge. And so the one side is like four long, I think, and it's massive. And so we try like every freaking angle going up and down that thing. Remember how we like ended up pulling it up into the place? Right. So it's like we're on the second story. <laughs> it's not a tall second story. You can you can 
basically jump up and slap the bottom half of the Yeah, we're talking like eight, nine feet. Right. It's not it's not the tallest second story in the world. Um and it's all open air and it's like a quad. The 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 apartment building is built like you're in a uh, gladiator stadium where Dude. there's like a quad you look out. The weirdest apartment building right. ever. And um you basically me and you stood at the bottom of it and passed this couch up to two other people on the second floor yeah. who pulled it up and rested it on the rail. Why we ran up the stairs yeah. and we all pulled the couch in from the rail. Yep. Um, but yeah. Oh my God, that was so Good fun. Stuff. So yes, that is my number three for me. Um, my number two, and this is something I feel like could easily be number one, and that is the like the lunchtime sandwich break that yeah. you get. That is just all time. Yeah. Like for me, like you get halfway and then you're like getting into your new place and you get like... I always get like Jersey Mike's delivered mm -hmm. and that's like our, that's our thing. We get Jersey Mike's, you get like a Sprite or like a Gatorade, you know, and you're always, this is another thing too. You're always moving in the summer, never moving in the winter. Yeah. I don't know why it is. <laughs> you're right. Moving in the summer. And so, and like the AC is like not quite working yet, but like you just sit down on the carpet or the wood floor or like a little table you have or whatever. And you just like, chill out and like mostly everyone just talks about nothing actually in, that, right. in those given moments but like it's it's that like calm before the second half of the storm but you're right. like we're halfway you're there almost, you're almost wrapping it up yeah and that sandwich just hits really hard uh -huh. um so that's my number two there for me and then number one is um it's just like the decluttering of like everything yeah you know it's just going through all the shit i used to not like this actually and you turned me on to it um and it's just like, yeah, all the stuff that you like thought you like lost, you're coming up on like all your like, you're, you know, this, this memory, whatever. Great. But then it's also in the trash. And then you're just like, you know, I don't I don't understand like how you like can acquire so much shit in like two or three years. Like when you're living. In yeah, place. you just you, I'm not talking about throwing photos away that mean something. I'm talking like you just the, the mundane weird things that you collect. just just knickknacks. Yeah. Right, and you're just like, why? And then you're like, oh, I don't really know what this is, and you just kind of keep it. But yeah, like, so I've become much more cognizant of like purchasing. I've been trying to like, you know, help Katie, you know, and us as a team. Like, let's, like, what are, what are we? What is that really doing? Like, you know, what what are, like, why do we need to buy that? So, right. Anyways, that's kind of that's my number one because it's also a little bit more of a Great. we don't we don't need that. We don't right. need to buy that, you know, and it's one of those things. I right. feel like it's kind of a good life lesson or, you know, minimalist. I keep saying I would love to be a minimalist whenever I move, but like that's, let's be honest, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. No. Not with our wives. No. Um, awesome pod, buddy. Um, Beautiful stuff. Shout out to the normal crew here, Jake, for all our thumbnails, Madison for helping us out with social, and our new editor here, Devin Feldman. Um, hit him up on Instagram. They're all going to be shouted out on the podcast and on the description of these videos. Um, you got anything for the people? A uh, little update for you all. I backed out of Red, Red Dead Redemption 2. You backed out? Can't get into it. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I don't yeah. have enough time. Not going to do it. But because also the other reason is uh, the new Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is, so just, just came out. So yeah, I'm I'm, hop, I'm I'm jumping off the train, Red Dead 2. I didn't provide any updates for you all because I, quite frankly, didn't really get anywhere and it wasn't really dragging me in. It was too much. If, if I had 10 hours or 15 hours a week to play, I'm all in. 
Right. Because that would be, you know, all the time in the world. But uh, updates. I think it's the Oculus 2. Oculus 2 and Zelda. Yeah. That's where we're going to be headed. So updates coming your way. Um, good stuff here tonight, buddy. Good shout outs. Mm-hmm. Um, another hell of a podcast, dude. That's what I got for the people. Got um, Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, you like, guys know the drill. You guys know what's going on here. Um, just a reminder, we're in the cabbage. And uh, keep swinging.